You're listening to the Not Another Wrestling Podcast. Let's get to it. Welcome to another edition of the Not Another Wrestling Podcast. CJ Palmasano here, your host. And thank you all for joining in. I hope you got a chance to listen to last week's episode where I interviewed the Man of Steel, Mike Verna. Uh, If you haven't already, please go check that out. That is in our podcast archives, wherever you can find them. Google, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor.fm. If you've been here before, you know the deal. If you haven't, welcome. As a first-time listener. Anyway, again, this is the Not Another Wrestling Podcast. We're going to be going over a few things that happened this week. But once again, if you haven't already, please go listen to my interview with the Man of Steel, Mike Verna. Uh, a lot of things have happened this past week. Uh, even a few things that kind of happened towards the end of last week um, in the world of pro wrestling. I uh, haven't really been able to follow up and talk about it on here. Because, um, you know, schedule's getting in the way or just... Uh, doing my first interview, but I'm going to be catching up on all the, all the things that have happened. Starting, we're going to go off with the things that have happened on Monday Night Raw. So, there's a few things that we need to go over as far as Raw goes. Um, for one, the McMahon-Pritchard era, I was skeptical at first, but there are aspects where it is kind of working, but then there are still those things of just like, oh, God, this is such a WWE thing to do. Like, I will say that wrestling-wise, as far as match quality, things are going really well. Like, things are great. But it's just, like, ridiculous finishes and kind of how sto- certain stories are played out. It doesn't make any sense. And we'll get to those in a little bit. First off, uh, Raw kicked off with Randy Orton challenging Drew McIntyre for the WWE Championship uh, at SummerSlam. Now, originally, Raw's main event was Drew McIntyre versus Dolph Ziggler uh, for the WWE title in a stipulation in Drew McIntyre's choosing. And it was later announced earlier in the day on Monday Night Raw that the match was now non-title. I guess to try and undermine the fact that Dolph Ziggler isn't a credible WWE champion today or ever really I guess unfortunately but anyway it was made non-title uh Drew McIntyre except except the challenge from the previous week and he later made it an extreme rules match later on the night but we'll get to that later on so Randy Orton pretty much has laid out the challenge and he is challenging Drew McIntyre um I will say that as far as a person who has been on his A-game for 2020, even pre-pandemic, Randy Orton proves that when he wants to be the best he can be, he does it. And we've seen him just dial it in for so long that we kind of forget, damn, Randy Orton is really, really good. And he is. He's proven to be the most effective heel on Raw, in WWE, and dare I say, in all of pro wrestling. Yeah, I think Randy Orton 
is the best heel in pro wrestling right now. I said it. In 2020, Randy Orton is the best effective heel in professional wrestling. Now, we'll kind of skip over to what happened later on the night because I want to get this whole thing of Drew McIntyre versus Randy Orton right out uh, out of the way in the beginning. Drew beat Dolph Ziggler in the Extreme Rules match. Before the match even happened, Drew McIntyre accepts Dolph Ziggler, I'm sorry, Randy Orton's challenge and then beats Dolph Ziggler. What this does is just kind of completely undermines Dolph Ziggler. And it kind of just was just like, oh yeah, you know, we're looking past you and you're the more important thing here, you know. Uh you're you're more like like this is more important. Now, I understand why they had Randy come out and challenge Drew and then Drew accepted the challenge and then Randy attacked him afterwards. Because of the ratings. It's no secret that the ratings have been horrible for Raw and SmackDown for a while. Even pre-pandemic, they're pretty bad, but but with the pandemic, it's it's really, really bad. Um I understand that we uh had Randy come out because it's like, oh, you know, to try and boost the ratings of the first hour. And then Randy attacks Drew. But what have been so much more effective is still do that. Because here here's a way you can still get the ratings and then for the for, for the opening segment on Raw and have the Randy Orton Drew McIntyre feud starting to be more effective. Here's what you do. Randy comes out to the ring with the microphone very similar to his promo when he tried to explain why he did what he did to Edge. He doesn't say much. I wouldn't do that promo verbatim. But what I would have done is I would have had Randy come out, wait a little bit, stall, just keep stalling, maybe say a few things here or there, here and there, drop the mic and leave. We're all confused and perplexed. It's like, what, what was that all about? After Drew and Dolph's match, do the exact same thing at the end. Randy just comes in and gives an RKO. Or what would have been even better is Randy doesn't show up until the end of the show. That would have been better, but if you're trying to do the thing of, oh, we need to try and boost the ratings a little bit, okay, do what I suggested with Randy and have him come out and say nothing. Or very little. And then have Drew come out. But what I would have done is I just would have had Randy come out at the end. Um, as far as this feud goes, I'm all for it. I've said before, it was reported a while ago that the, the current plan is to have Randy win the title off of Drew McIntyre. Uh, Edge comes back and faces uh, Orton as the champion. Either it's going to be at Mania or it's going to be at the Royal Rumble. I'm not exactly sure, and then down the line, they're going to try and see if they can get Drew to win the title back in front of fans this time, because we all know that Drew McIntyre deserved to have that moment when he won the title in front of a live audience, and we all know that, and circumstances couldn't let that be, but I've said before, I don't have a problem with this, it's just the only thing is, is that Drew still needs to be booked effectively, if he's going to be kept on television. Because because for me, 
Drew McIntyre is the guy right now. He is the guy. I mean, I still... I still have thought for years he should have been the guy, even when Roman Reigns and Seth Rollins were in that spot. I felt Drew was and is the right guy in that position. I think that as long as Drew can be booked effectively and he can still be who he is, character-wise, and as long as they can give him compelling storylines and still make him look to be strong, I think that is still a very effective story. So, it has to go... It just pretty much Drew has to be booked strongly. That's where it has to be. And as wrestling fans in general, as WWE fans, we are always very jaded and just very like, when someone loses, we don't have a whole lot of faith in the company and the creative team to get them back to where they once were. And we've seen that a lot of times with a lot of different guys and girls. But I would hope that they still have faith in Drew and to try and put him back on the top, still be the top babyface, and just go on and hopefully, eventually, if if this happens, go on and still go on to win the championship again, and this time in front of a live audience. Because we, we saw how... How Drew McIntyre was before WrestleMania. He he was over, dude. He was white hot. The crowd for the Royal Rumble was going nuts for him. When he Claymore kicked Brock Lesnar three times in the Barclays Center back in February, the crowd was going insane for Drew McIntyre. Again, as a guy who has been a big fan of this guy for, for years, even back when he the dark days in 3MB, it's just it just warms my heart to see him finally get the shot he also deserves. At the same time, I know the company's thinking about the ratings are horrible. We 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 don't have a lot of mainstream uh, guys that we can promote. Uh, we don't have Edge; he's injured. John Cena is 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 not coming in. We lost Roman Reigns because he's not going to want to work during the pandemic. Brock Lesnar does not want to work during the pandemic. Uh, we don't have Bill Goldberg. We are down a lot of uh, talent, top top guys, mainstream, larger than life guys, and a portion portion of that is to do with the company and their booking of how they treat their talent. But that's another story for another day. The main issue is who are they going to use, and I believe that they're going to be doing this to try and boost the ratings to put the title on Randy Orton. Now, again, I think Randy has been an effective heel this year. I I will put my money that he's been heel of the year for pro wrestling. So why not put the championship on him? I'm all for it just as long as it's done properly and that eventually Drew can, can win it back down the line and so that and that Drew, in the meantime, if he's not going to go chase back the title right away, he still has compelling storylines and great matches on his chase back to the title. So one of the things that happened on Monday Night Raw is that, um, boy, does Asuka look really, really fucking stupid. Does she really look stupid? So the previous week, well, Extreme Rules... 
didn't really get to talk about Extreme Rules, unfortunately, in the past couple of weeks. But if you didn't see Extreme Rules, and I don't blame you if you didn't, Asuka and Sasha, which, by the way, they had a really great match. Adam Blaviate said it best on Twitter. He said, NXT TakeOver quality match, a WWE finish. Asuka and Sasha, for me, for my money that night, they were having the best match of the entire night until that finish showed up. Until they had that goddamn finish. So, what happened was, is that I think Sasha tried to... uh, Asuka had the green mist. She tried to spray it in Sasha's face. Sasha got out of the way. And the referee was like, Oh no, my face, my eyes, the green mist. And then it, it blinded the referee. Then Bailey and Sasha come. Bailey comes in, grabs one of the tag belts, or one of the one of the titles there. I don't know, and hits Asuka in the back. Just hits her in the back. Doesn't even look that devastating. Then Bailey tries to get the ref up. He's not getting up. She takes his referee shirt off, puts it on her, counts the one, two, three, and then Bailey gives Sasha Banks the championship. She's screaming at the timekeeper saying, ring the bell, until he begrudgingly rings the bell. They leave. Sasha's music plays, but it's just like, but Bailey's not a referee. And commentary is still put over. Asuka is still the, the, the Raw Women's Champion. Byron Saxon did at least. Then, on Raw... Bailey and Sasha come over, come to the ring for a promo segment, and Mike Rome announces them as the SmackDown Women's Champion Bailey, one half of the WWE Tag Team, uh, the Tag Team Women's Champions, and she he did not refer to Sasha Banks as the Raw Women's Champion, which which Todd Phillips and Byron Saxton put over. Sasha's not the Raw Women's Champion. Oscar Oscar comes out. You know, claiming, you know, that she got screwed and all that. Stephanie McMahon comes on the screen and pretty much says that we will have a match to determine who the true Raw Women's Champion is. But she also said that Sasha's not the champion and she did not win the championship the right way. In Stephanie McMahon's mind to try and get heat on Bailey and Sasha... She puts a stipulation for this Raw Women's Championship match that we had this past Monday where the title can be won by pinfall, submission, disqualification, and countout? How does that help Asuka? That only helps Sasha Banks and Bailey. Stephanie is trying to get one up on, on Sasha and Bailey, but how does that... How does that... It doesn't help anything. Because, again, Sasha and Asuka were having another really great match on Raw this past Monday. But they had... And and Kyrie Sane leaves WWE this week. And how they write her off is... Asuka is about to win the Raw Women's Championship. She is about to... Well, retain the Raw Women's Championship at the very least. She's about to win the match. She She... just nearly has the Oscar lock on Sasha, but the the big screen cuts and it's Bailey beating up Kyrie Sane, and she is smashing her head in on on the wall, and Kyrie's screaming for her, bloody murder, and it's just like, 
Sean and I saw this woman beat Shayna Baszler for the NXT Women's Championship. We're talking about if we're talking, if we're talking about a complete kayfabe sense here. She beat Shayna Baszler, the first person to beat Shayna Baszler for the NXT Women's Championship. She's one of two people in NXT who, during her title reign, Shayna's title reign, who beat her and pinned her one, two, three cleanly. And if you're a professional wrestler, you should be able to handle yourself, should you not? They made Kyrie Sane seem like a helpless, defenseless little girl and that she needed Asuka's help. And Asuka, looking so stupid, she had the damn match won, runs to the back to try and help Kyrie. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Sasha Banks is your new Raw Women's Champion. And then Bailey comes down and is hugging Sasha Banks. Asuka goes in the back and she is consoling Kyrie and all that. And I'm just like. Here's 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 my problem. My problem with this is not necessarily Sasha winning the championship. My problem is not that they're kind of doing the two woman power trip, you know, two man power trip with Triple H and, and Steve Austin, and this time around with Bailey and Sasha. I don't have a problem with that, but it's how they're executing it. Like Oscar is another another wrestler who has been killing it during the pandemic era of pro wrestling. She's really been doing a tremendous job. And then this is how she loses the title. I mean, I, I don't know, man. It, it just it just looks it just again, it makes Oscar look really, really stupid. And Stephanie McMahon's bullshit stipulation did nothing to try and get heat on Sasha and Bailey. It only helped Sasha and Bailey. I don't know. That 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 was just uh, it just really doesn't make any sense to me. It doesn't make any sense to me. What where does Sasha go here? Where do Oscar go here? I don't know. We have SummerSlam coming up later at the end of August. Uh and I don't know if Sasha's gonna turn, if they're gonna do like a big title for title match with or with Bailey, or if Oscar's gonna get a rematch. I mean, will we finally see Sasha Banks? retain a championship for once. I mean, we all know the story of Sasha Banks is that she can never, ever successfully defend uh, a championship. So we'll have to wait and see. But how this feud has been going, it's just it's just ridiculous. In-ring quality, Asuka and, and Sasha Banks have been killing it, and they've been doing a great job. But it's like, why are you doing this? Why are you adding such... WWE-esque type finishes and bullshit endings when you should just let the wrestlers go in there and work their asses off and actually be fucking creative for once. Just just do it. Seriously. It's not that hard. Like, you know, letting wrestlers actually be wrestlers and maybe letting them chime in and pitch things for once, you know, that might actually help help your company might actually help your show. I don't know. I'm just a fan who watches. What am I what do I know? I'm just a dumb mark. Anyway. So as I mentioned before, Kyrie Sane, uh, she has left the WWE. 
Um, it's a shame, really, because Kyrie Sane, um, Sean and I got to see her uh, face Shayna Baszler at that takeover, takeover Brooklyn four, I believe. Yeah, takeover Brooklyn four uh, against Shayna Baszler, and that was a real sleeper match that night. You know, a lot of people were really expecting Shayna Baszler to retain the championship, myself and Sean included, when we did predictions for that show. Um, we felt like Shayna, it just wasn't it just wasn't time for her to lose the belt. But, man, when that match was incredible, when Kyrie Sane hit that insane elbow, Shayna gets the, the, the her finisher on her, the, the sleeper hold, I can't remember what, what they call it. They, they call it, everybody's finisher a different move, honestly. But when they, she hooked that in, and then Kyrie hit the, you know, she rolled, rolled uh, you know, rolled around and got Shayna on her shoulders, like winning the championship. It was the shock of the night, and it was an absolutely incredible match and one of my favorites Kyrie Sane had in her time in WWE slash NXT. And I'm thankful that I got to see her wrestle live at least once and um, once or twice. I'm not sure. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure it's once. I'm at least at a takeover. I'm glad I got to see her wrestle at a takeover. So to Kyrie saying, you know, uh, as fans will miss you in your time in WWE, uh, apparently she's reported that she's going to be going back to Japan, I think moving back, uh, and she'll probably most likely go back to stardom, and we'll have to see where things go. But to Kyrie saying, we thank you for your time, and we just hope that you can actually... I guess enjoy wrestling again or just go and just go whatever makes you happy. You know? Just go and whatever makes you happy and I'll do my best to try and watch and see what she does. Hopefully you all will too if you are fans of Kyrie Sane. And she'll most likely have to go back to Kyrie Hojo because Kyrie Sane is a WWE owned name. Anyway, but speaking of her one of her best opponents, Shayna Baszler, it appears Shayna Baszler seems to be becoming a badass again. Shayna Baszler actually being booked the way she should have been when she first came in to the main roster and should be Raw Women's Champion anyway? Huh. What a weird concept. Shayna Baszler appears to be in a feud with Nia Jax, and uh, I think she put something on Twitter the other day saying, uh, it doesn't matter how big or how big or how, how big you are, the result is the same. You all tap, you either tap out or pass out. And... I like that. I mean, it, it shouldn't shouldn't have taken until now to properly book Shayna Baszler, but I guess better late than never, huh? I, I guess it's better that they didn't bury her, that they didn't eventually just like, oh, well, I, I don't get, I don't, I really don't get it, you know. Um, it's better late than never, I guess. And I guess maybe you build to Shayna Baszler eventually being the next top heel contender for the title. Um, granted, if Asuka is to win the championship back, I don't know because, again, Shayna's a heel. Sasha's a heel. I don't know where they go, but if they can have some compelling storylines for her and just really build her back up to being a badass again and then eventually taking the championship, I'm all for it. That would, I mean, she just should have, they just should have done that from the beginning, honestly. But again, I guess better late than never, and hopefully we can get, uh, during the next several months, Shayna Baszler just being built to being back to the Shayna Baszler we saw in NXT because we're starting to see that again. You know, just don't 
bring any of the more hokey, you know, just like, you know, biting in the back of the neck and the bleeding and all that. Just just let Shayna Baszler be a badass. The way Shayna Baszler's been, the 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 the, the gimmick, uh, the path that she's been on, just let her do that, and it's been working for her. One person who appears to not be so great in Vince's gracious, or on Vince's good side, I guess, is Aleister Black. Because apparently it's being reported, I believe, by Dave Meltzer, that Aleister Black, apparently, in Vince's eyes, is, quote, missing something. Um, it appears that this past week on Raw, when, he, when Buddy Murphy tried to take his eye out, that was their way to write Aleister Black off of TV. The fuck are you doing? What do you mean Alistair Black is missing something? What do you mean? The guy who is probably the most unique wrestler you've had in a very long time? His presence, his entrance theme, his in-ring style? I mean, I can't really compare too many wrestlers to Alistair Black on all three of those things that I just mentioned. Well, actually, excluding the rest, the, the wrestling theme song. But his presence and his in-ring ability? There's very few that I can compare him to. Obviously, we have The Undertaker. The Undertaker, he does have an Undertaker-like presence. And I guess you could kind of say, maybe an AJ Styles? Maybe? I think maybe he has a nice blend of, of a Nakamura and an AJ Styles? I don't know. I think it's a fa- fair assessment to make. But... He's unique. I mean, his finisher is one of the best finishers in pro wrestling right now. He is charismatic. He has a dark, brooding character. I mean, I don't know, man. I look at Aleister Black and I see money. I see that the guy is total effing money, dude. You could build him to be the next, again, like the next Undertaker, potentially. I know you don't want people to be the next, you know, Austin or Rock or whatever, and you want them to be the first them. But you can do that. Apparently, there might be this this whole thing with Buddy Murphy, or just Murphy, taking him out on Raw. Apparently, it's to maybe like to kind of tweak the character or gimmick change. And like, honestly, he doesn't need a change. He doesn't. That's the one thing when Paul Heyman leaving now, he was for Aleister Black and his push. He was for Aleister Black. I mean, I don't know, man. They haven't really done anything significant with Black in the and how long has he been on the main roster? For over like a year and a half now? He debuted what? Before Mania 35 last year? I mean, he's had some good matches. Uh, the Fatal 4-Way Tag at Mania last year was really good with him and Ricochet. Him and Ricochet had a really great, I think, triple threat tag match against The Revival and Bobby Roode and Chad Gable. He had a, a great match with Cesaro last year. I think uh, I, I, I did enjoy his program with AJ Styles and leading up to Elimination Chamber. But it's like, you're not using him properly I mean he's a guy who you should be building up building up building up racking up win after win after win 
And they did that for a bit with a lot of enhancement talent and his feud with Buddy Murphy. And I do think him and Murphy could have a great, long-lasting feud for years and years to come. But what are you doing with the guy? What are you doing? The fact that they think he needs some kind of character tweak or that he needs some kind of new gimmick change is bullshit. His character is great the way it is. You just don't get it. What is it not to get? I mean, I listened to Gallows and Anderson uh, doing their Talking Shock podcast and uh, their interview with uh, Chris Van Vliet this week. And Gallows mentioned how WWE always like to say, oh, the old shot in the armor, fresh coat of paint. It's like, and I believe he said along the lines of, if you didn't do so much of the fresh coat of paint and actually kind of let do so many changes and let people just be themselves, we wouldn't need this, you know? And it doesn't make much sense to me that they don't see much, at least at the moment, in Aleister Black. I just hope this is another thing of Vince being like, oh, well, what are you talking about? No, I like the guy. What are you talking about? Vince McMahon just being Vince McMahon, I guess. I don't know, but Aleister Black, he he doesn't he doesn't need any changes. You just he just needs better booking is what he needs. He doesn't need no character changes. He doesn't need a gimmick change. He just needs better booking, and understand his character for God's sake. But moving on. Speaking of Gallows and Anderson, the Good Brothers. Real quickly, I'll get into a little bit of Impact Wrestling. Uh, just a few things that have happened. One, Gallows and An- Anderson are officially with Impact Wrestling. A little late, I know, mentioning on the podcast, but I got to say it about the Good Brothers. They're one of my favorite tag teams. And I got to say it because yours truly uh, got a little reply on Twitter. Yes, I'm going to talk about this, okay? I think it's cool. I think it's awesome. I love Gallows and Anderson. So I had put out on Twitter cj underscore 1214 if you want to follow me uh i said so with hashtag talk and shop mania happening this weekend are at the big lg and at machine gun ka finally gonna have a tag match against hashtag the rock and roll express carl anderson replied to me in about an hour and said hashtag talk and shop mania too gallows replies and he says Hashtag rock and roll. Hashtag talk and chop mania too. Um, that's another thing that's happening this weekend is talk and shop a mania. Uh, Gallows and Anderson's big uh, pay-per-view parody. Like it's only like, I think it's 15 bucks. Can be on the fight network this, this weekend. Um, a lot of guys are on there. The Rock and Roll Express will be on there. Gallows and Anderson, Rocky Romero, Mike and Maria Canellis, or Mike Bennett and Maria Canellis now. Uh, Enzo, uh, a lot of guys are going to be on there that I can't necessarily remember, but um, it's just really cool to see those guys doing their own thing again. I remember uh, me and a um, good good buddy of mine, a uh, friend of the podcast, former guest Joe, uh, we went to a Sam Roberts SummerSlam weekend, uh, well, SummerSlam thing uh, during the week, and Kevin Owens and Gallows and Anderson were the guests, uh, the guest uh, wrestlers that Sam Roberts had. Uh, the first... He did one part with Gallows and Anderson, the other part with Kevin Owens. 
they did a Q&A section, and um, Kathy Kelly, who was working with Sam Roberts at the time, and I think she was working for WWE at the time, too, she was going around doing questions, and then, you know, give her name. They, uh, she came over to me, and I asked, hey, my name's CJ. Um, if you, what would your dream opponents be? You know, tag or singles, or both, I think. And Gal- uh, Anderson said, as a tag team, without a doubt, the Rock and Roll Express. And Sam Roberts is like, uh, you mean Indie Rock and Roll Express or like back in the day? He's like, either way. He's like, I just want to wrestle the Rock and Roll Express. And uh, Gal is like, I wrestle Rock and Roll Express. And like me and, uh, I think he said me and uh, D'Lo, D'Lo Brown maybe. I don't know. But ever since, and then the rest of the show just turned into like, you know, Gallows and Anderson just keep bringing up Rock and Roll Express. And it was so funny, so funny. Um, yeah, so Rock and Roll Express versus Gallus Anderson, I think it'd just be really funny. And apparently we're going to get that at Talking Shop Amania 2. Um, I'm glad to see the Good Brothers actually doing their thing. They're finally getting to, you know, be happy and get to do the, get to, you know, do the Talking Shop, the Talking Shop Mania, have their own fun little, fun little pay-per-views, working for Impact Wrestling. I can't see, wait to see what else is happening. And uh, Deanna Perrazzo, the virtuosa, is the new Impact Women's Champion. Very happy for her. Very happy, to, again, like Gallows and Anderson, to see that not only is she getting to do her own thing, she's been given the ball, and they gave her the goddamn title. Um, mark my words, she's going to have a tremendous run with this title. The character she's been doing, and she's been trying to portray, at least in WWE, and just her career... Uh, I'm glad that she's getting a spotlight spotlight with Impact Wrestling. They just like, all right, here you go. Here's the title. Let's see what you got. And she's going to deliver. And I can't wait to see the more matches between her and Jordan Grace. Anyway, moving on. So it appears that the total combined viewership this week for NXT and AEW was more than... Raw's third hour. The total combined viewership of AEW and NXT was more than Raw's third hour. Let's just try and take a look here and see how many people were watching NXT and AEW this week. This is reported by Brian Alvarez, by the way, from the Wrestling Observer. 773,000 People were watching AEW. 707,000 people were watching NXT. You do that math, and that is 1,460,000, sorry, 36,000 people. A million four hundred and thirty-six thousand people were watching NXT and AEW total. That is more than Raw's third hour. It's no question that the main roster programming of WWE have it's been a problem. It's been a problem for a while. But the fact that the two alternatives as total wrestling fans is getting gaining more interest than the main flagship show pro wrestling, so to say, that's a big problem. It's a very very big problem. But I don't have time to go into all the ratings as far as 
Monday Night Raw goes. Going to go a little bit over into NXT territory here. Um, were you worked or did you work yourself into a shoot? Because Adam Cole, Bebe, was on the Pat McAfee show and um, pretty much it ended with Adam Cole telling Pat McAfee to go fuck himself. Um, it was very funny. Um, at first, I'm just like, are they building to Pat McAfee and Adam Cole in a match? Because I don't want to see that. It made me kind of think, could this be a shoot? But then Triple H comes on. I'm just like, oh man. And then you have to watch. Yeah, you have to watch the video of the whole video of Adam Cole and Pat McAfee. Pat McAfee was speaking to Adam Cole and very kayfabe-like with, oh, you know, you work smarter, not harder. You, you had these guys with you. Undisputed Era did all your all the work for you, and that, you know, that's fine and everything. And, you know, saying you're a smaller guy, that's kind of sent Cole over the deep end. Um, I, I don't know too much about Pat McAfee other than he was a punter for the Indianapolis Colts. One thing I know is that it doesn't take that great of ability, I guess, to be a punter, to make it in the NFL. I mean, I, I'm not fucking athletic, so I don't have too much to talk about. I don't know. I, just, I don't find Pat McAfee that funny or entertaining or anything, but the guy's got an audience and good for him. I mean, don't have hate for him. I just said eh, it's just not my cup of tea, I guess, but... They, a lot of people were just like, a lot of people caught on. That's a work, it's a work, it's a work. Um, even more so that if you weren't even sure, NXT confirmed that this week, showing Adam Cole's apology that he made over the weekend. So, it's a work. Confirmed. If you didn't need confirmation that WWE need to put it on their own social media and their own television programming. But speaking of Adam Cole and the Undisputed Era... Uh, they attacked Imperium, uh, Fabian Eichner and Marcel Bartel, the current NXT Tag Team Champions. It's nice to see that Adam Cole didn't go up to the main roster right away. Because a while ago it was re being reported that the main roster wanted Adam Cole and they were very much willing to bring the Undisputed Era with them. However, not all the members of Undisputed Era wanted to go up to the main roster. Some wanted to stay in NXT. Which, honestly, I don't know who those members could be. I mean, I could see that being Bobby Fish and either O'Reilly or Strong. But I I'm not sure. And and for me, Undisputed Era has to go up together. Don't get me wrong. It's going to leave a huge hole in NXT. It is going to leave a huge gap in their uh, in the structure of the show. But NXT is, again, in a rebuilding process right now. They always kind of go through this with new guys and girls stepping up to the plate. I mean, you have Keith Lee as the NXT champion, who is, he seems to be on a collision course with Karrion Cross for the NXT title. Uh, and, you know, them just going all in on Karrion Cross, you know, essentially sacrificing Tommaso Ciampa, Ciampa just to get this guy over and to show, yeah, this guy's a big deal. Um... It's interesting, and what's even more interesting is that I'm surprised they're not necessarily going, having too many of their top guys in this 
ladder match for the now vacant NXT North American Championship. If you were unaware, uh, Keith Lee has vacated the NXT North American Championship to focus on being the NXT champion and to give another member of the roster, uh, some of the wrestler, you know, other wrestlers get an opportunity to fight for it. Um, I'm surprised because the first triple th- triple threat match, they're, they're having a series of triple threat matches to determine who's going to be in this ladder match. The first one who won this match was Bronson Reed. Yeah, and if you knew the other other opponents in the, that he had in that match, you'd be surprised. It was Roderick Strong and Johnny Gargano, two former North American champions. I was very surprised that they picked Bronson Reed. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. I mean, Bronson Reed's good. And then this past week, they had Finn Balor versus Dexter Loomis versus Timothy Thatcher. I'm like, watch them pull a fast one on us. Because I had a feeling it's probably not going to be... It's probably not going to be Balor. I think they're probably going to do a pull a swerve and do Thatcher. And I was wrong, and they picked Dexter Loomis. I'm like, shit. I'm surprised here. But one thing I'm seeing is that they are really going for the newer guys. And you know what? I got to give them props. I got to give NXT and Triple H props that, you know, they're not just going all in with the all the big-name stars on the brand, and they're trying to make new stars and it appears here from when I'm looking at the NXT TakeOver 30 uh, preview and I guess some of the uh, episodes have been taped because as far as TV goes we're only supposed to know that Bronson Reed and Dexter Loomis are in this ladder match but apparently also Ridge Holiday or Orny Lorcan or Damian Priest oh I'm sorry no this is um, it's one it's either Ridge Holiday Orny Lorcan or Damian Priest they're going to have a new another triple threat match, I think, next week versus two TBDs. Uh, but apparently we are getting Io Shirai versus Rhea Ripley or Dakota Kai for the NXT Women's Championship. I have to correct myself. Actually, that's going to be happening next week, Rhea Ripley or Dakota Kai, uh, versus Dakota Kai for the championship because, no, they're not being taped. I think most of NXT's mat, uh, tapings are... are uh, television tapings are are live essentially so yeah um that's interesting to see Cor- I don't know someone will probably correct me but I'm pretty didn't Tegan Knox win a match so she could have a match against Io Shirai for the championship I thought she was supposed to have one and if she did okay I probably missed it but if she didn't did T- I remember Tegan Knox winning a fatal four way to face Io Shirai for the title if she didn't Where's her title match? If she did, then I guess I just missed it. Um, I guess I'm interested in either match, but I'm way more interested in Rhea Ripley versus Dakota Kai. I'm sorry, Rhea Ripley versus uh, Io Shirai. I'm way more in- interested in that. It just seems like a better match because I feel like Rhea could take the title back from Io, but Dakota may be in a more effective heel. Not sure. But I think that Rhea versus Io just seems like a bigger match to me. It, it seems like a more of a fun match. Not that I don't like Dakota Kai. I think she's really, really good. I loved her initial heel turn. Her 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 process as being a heel kind of fell flat a little bit, but she's really gone back up, and I and I'm enjoying her heel run now again. But um, but yeah, I mean, they really better you know stack this takeover. Um, and takeovers are usually always very good. Even the in-your-house takeover was very, very good. I, I enjoyed that takeover a lot this year, consider, considering, you know, it was still, you know, it was a pandemic takeover, a pandemic wrestling pay-per-view. So I did enjoy that a lot. 
Um, overall, again, NXT is in a is, is in a big rebuilding process. Uh, I'm glad that they're going all in on guys like Keith Lee and Karrion Cross because they can be they can have like a Tommaso Ciampa Johnny Gargano type of feud. Uh, well, I don't know about Gargano Champa that specifically in a feud, but the level of the feud could be that big. You know, if they were to go all in and have these guys just beat the ever living shit out of each other. Um, if I have to say, give an early prediction, if they're gonna go with Cross and Keith Lee, I think they might just go in on carrying Cross because I don't see them doing any screwy finishes in NXT. That's just not their thing for for pay per views for takeovers. I don't see them doing that. I I I I see them putting the title on Cross come August. And Keith Lee, I know they are very much high on him coming to the main roster, but at the same time, you can't have everybody come up to the main roster. I know you want to try and boost some ratings, and maybe bringing up some new stars might do that if you build them properly. But I also kind of see maybe they... It could also be a thing of, oh, well, Adam Cole's not ready yet. What about Keith Lee? Um... We're going to have to wait and see. Maybe I'll put a poll up this week. I said, who do you think is going to go up to the main roster first? Adam Cole and the Undisputed Era? Just Adam Cole or Keith Lee? Have to take a look at that. Uh, the rest of the show is mainly going to be AEW. Um, actually, wait, I forgot one thing. Real quickly, um, apparently Rusev is done with wrestling. Rusev is, or Miro as he's now known, is his real name. Um, is this a work? Is this a shoot? I don't know. I mean, but at, at the very least right now, Miro, as he's now known, he is very much content being a YouTuber, being on Twitch and playing video games. And I've watched, uh, like, a couple of his streams, and I've watched some of his stuff on YouTube. He's very funny. We, we all know how how funny Rusev is. But uh, if this is it for Rusev, um, you know, good on you, man. If you've saved your money, if you're happy, you know, Lana, his wife Lana is still over there. there. She's still racking in that WWE money, so... We'll have to wait and see how things go. But all the best to Miro, to Rusev. Forever Rusev Day. Now we'll get on to AEW. Starting with this. Not necessarily what happened on AEW first, but what happened with a particular AEW employee and and a WWE superstar, wrestler, whatever you want to call it. So it was... Uh, a video has made the rounds, uh, a few videos have made the rounds of AEW commentator, play-by-play commentator Excalibur saying the N-word. Yes. Um, so the video is, um, you can go and search it on YouTube. Uh, there, there's the one that's really making the rounds is, uh, uh, it's in PWG. Kevin Owens, known as Kevin Steen, then uh, Excalibur, another wrestler, and then uh, Super Dragon uh, again, and two other wrestlers in the ring with him. So Excalibur says, "You know, Super Dragon, you think you can place me with I don't know what it, something something?" And, and then he says, "And then with some N word." I'm not going to say that. I'm not I am not stupid enough to say that on this podcast. You people aren't going to cancel me when you find this 10 years from now. So, 
and then the crowd like pops like oh my god and like and then Kevin Owens says does the n word offend you proceeds to say the word but one thing people might not know is that Kevin Owens is quoting Steve Austin when he played a racist uh prison cop in the longest yard in the library scene if you remember that so I was I was shown this uh, late last night by another former guest, my buddy Ed, um, and so apparently Kevin Owens has addressed this uh, on the Leading Garcia's podcast. I don't think necessarily this particular moment, but PWG in general and some of the shock value things that they try to do. So, apparently this is what happened. Kevin Owens went on uh, Lillian Garcia's podcast and made kind of like a public apology, saying, I'll often hear people say, oh, the word is too sensitive now and people get get offended too easily. I disagree. I think now is better than it's ever been because it's probably how we should have always been. Coming up in wrestling, I would hear people use terms that if they use today, dare I say, I've used those terms too, and I'm ashamed of it. But back then, it wasn't even a second thought that it mattered. But it did. Of course it did. I should have known better back then too. Society has evolved to where now we know better. Um... You know, it's not like a sorry I got caught apology. And PWG back then apparently was very much based on they really wanted you to go for very shock value stuff, you know. Um, and I'll say this to the concept uh, concept of this of this video that's going around, making the rounds right now. We all know as pro wrestling fans is that pro wrestling is work. And there was a black wrestler, an African-American wrestler in that ring in the video. We obviously have to know that if this wrestler, particular wrestler, wasn't okay with this, it wouldn't have been said. Um, now, Kevin Owens said he is ashamed of this. There's been no word from Excalibur. Apparently, Excalibur showed up to, for TV the other night on, on Dynamite is being reported by Dave Meltzer that uh, Excalibur was to not be on TV and Taz was his replacement for the night. There's been no word from Excalibur on this whole thing. Uh, There's been no word recently from Kevin Owens about this thing, about this incident, but um, I would expect something soon. I would expect something from AEW to make some sort of statement. I'm really, really surprised that they haven't already, though. I'm really surprised that they have not said anything about this. I'm really surprised because when the whole Sammy Guevara thing happened, when Sammy Guevara said what he said about Sasha Banks in that podcast over many years ago, um, you know, he apologized he apo- publicly and he apologized to Sasha Banks and he was suspended for about a month. But this happens with Excalibur and AEW hasn't said anything about it. I hope they do. And I don't want also for for listeners who think like, you know, if like I'm just very much anti WWE or or pro AEW, like like, like look, I, I watch all kinds of wrestling. I watch all of it, just about as much as I can watch, you know. Um 
But I've called out AEW on bullshit that I think they should address. Like, Justin Roberts should be fucking fired right now. He should be. There's evidence and there's videos. Well, there's 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 pictures out there of him screenshot uh, screenshots asking a 17-year-old girl for nudes back in 2014, 2015, however, whenever it was. And I keep trying to find information uh, of if any of that was debunked. I'm trying to find it. Well, I have tried to find it. Uh, because, again, you can't read everything on the internet. And, yes, some people can Photoshop things and make things spewed into their own kind of story. I get that. But it's like I haven't found anything that discredits what this girl is claiming. So, And Justin Roberts has appeared on, on AEW television. You know, he's been back. And he was gone for a bit, but now he's back. Honestly, AEW should say something about Justin Roberts, and Justin Roberts should be fired from AEW. Um, so, and AEW should say something about Excalibur. They shouldn't, you know, just be like, oh, Excalibur, you're off TV for today. Now, granted, they have to kind of do something because, again, not... All of professional wrestling, not I mean, not all of people who don't watch professional wrestling, they're not going to get that, or they're going to automatically think Excalibur's a racist. Again, pro wrestling is a work; it's like a show, it's like a movie. Is Excalibur actually racist? I mean, I don't know. I don't know if he's actually racist, but he has yet to say anything. AEW has yet to say anything. I think that they should say something soon because it's still very fresh in the air right now as the video's, you know, gone viral. But they should say something. I don't believe Excalibur's a racist. I just believe that they, whatever program he was using at the time, they just did it to get heat and shock value, which may not always be the best idea. But... AEW needs to address this. Um, I feel like Kevin Owens and WWE will probably address this. I'm not sure. But especially if you don't want any backlash from Black Lives Matter, uh, the Black Lives Matter movement, or anybody involved with that, I, I think you really they really need to say something from a PR standpoint. And now we'll finally go into AEW. Sorry for the little... Uh, t- uh, you know, tangent there. I'll try to get through this as quickly as possible because we're about to go over an hour on this episode. So anyway, Cody uh, opens up the show and he is going to be facing... Uh, actually, no, I'm sorry. The Inner Circle versus Best Friends and Friends, Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus. This is a fun little match. Um, the finish of the match came with uh, Luchasaurus uh, hitting the, the tail whip kick on Sammy Guevara after Sammy Guevara was distracted by Matt Hardy, so it appears that feud is getting back into it, so I'm happy about that. Um, Kev, uh, Cody Rhodes defended the TNT Championship against independent wrestler Warhorse. Uh, this was a, it wasn't a bad match. I mean, uh, I think it was a little, it, it didn't, not too much happen for me personally, um, but I like the presence of Warhorse. Uh, I like, you know, he's like a, a heavy metal ultimate warrior in a way 
as far as a character standpoint goes. He's not as far as a work rate wrestler. He's not anything like Warrior. No, don't get me wrong. He was. I, I thought he was impressive. I enjoyed the match. It was good. Uh, hopefully, we can see more of Warhorse in AEW because uh, this is the first time I'm hearing of him. Um, and I still have to go back and watch the Eddie Kingston match that Cody had last week. Uh, FTR signed their AEW contracts. And Ari Anderson came in to make sure that the contract that was to their liking, that every, they got everything they needed, they signed it. Ari Anderson called them best tag team in the world. And Hangman Adam Page comes in and celebrates by giving everybody a shot of whiskey. Uh, Hangman Page gave a little too much whiskey. He filled it up all the way to the glass for himself. Um, Ari Anderson's like, nope, I don't do that anymore. And then pours in the whiskey, I think, to uh, Dax Hardwood. That's the former Dash. Uh, I can't even remember his last his old name in WWE now. That's a good thing, I guess. Um, so, and Omega and Hangman Page retained the AEW Tag Team titles against the Dark Order. Dark Order tried to attack... Uh, Page Omega, the Bucks had came in, and then FDR came in, trying to even the odds. Um, but I talked about this a little while ago. I'm really enjoying where this story is going with the Elite and and Cody, and because again, Cody is kind of doing his own thing. I think Cody's going to be drifting away from the Elite, and and again, there there are all these rumors and speculations about a potential, like, new Four Horsemen-esque type stable, you know, with uh, Cody, FTR, and maybe Sean Spears uh, as the fourth man, or even uh, Hangman Page as the fourth man. Or there's the, now there's a speculation with FTR and Hangman Page being all buddy-buddy, and they're getting close, you know? Um... Kenny Omega looking like he's gonna he's been showing signs of 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 potentially turning heel and I and I hope that is a slow slow build for Omega to turn heel and it's like little instances here and there instead of just like a complete shock of like whoa where'd this come from a long better long-term story built for Omega to turn heel that I've mentioned I think in the uh, episode a couple of weeks ago um I'm just very interested to see where all this goes. And now we have a lot of possibilities, you know. We, we could could we see Spears, Cody, FTR or uh Cody, FTR and Hangman Adam Page? Could we see see a heel Kenny Omega? Could we see a heel Elite with the Bucks and Kenny acting like the Elite back in Bullet Club days in New Japan? Um there's a lot that could go here. And again, I'm just really interested in it. Like that that's that's the thing that is really tying me to watch or or pulling me in rather to, to watch Dynamite every week is to is this story going on with the elite and where they're going to go. Um it appears right now will be I guess Kenny's next move is to maybe feed with Brody Lee because Brody Lee took a lot of shots like oh Kenny thanks for finally showing up this week we really appreciate it um so I guess maybe in a couple of weeks we'll have Brody Lee versus Kenny Omega in a singles match I hope I hope so that'd be a really really fun match um if I kind of have to give my whole idea on this of where I think this is going to go As far as a four horseman esque new stable, I do see that happening. 
Cody at the helm, you know, Cody as the as the the the, the leader, the heel, you know, the Ric Flair of the group. A lot of people will say that doesn't make much sense because, you know, Cody is Dusty's son and Dusty hated Ric Flair, but if we've looked, Cody Rhodes is a very effective heel. He's been in a very he's been a very effective babyface from the beginning of AEW. But I think the time has come to turn Cody heel. Um, we've been seeing that. We've been seeing similar to Kenny. We've with we've seen we're seeing slow little instances here and there of Cody being a heel. We've saw it in like the build up to the TNT championship tournament where he kind of acted like a heel in his, in his match against Darby Allen in the tournament. We saw it against Sonny Kiss a few weeks ago when he took off the turnbuckle, well, he took off the, the padding of the turnbuckle when Cody clearly had the match won. Um, and there's more evidence to believe that FTR will be in that because Arn Anderson was at their contract signing. And then Hangman Page was at their contract signing. So, but the thing is, I don't necessarily want to see Hangman Adam Page. I don't want to see him turn babyface. I mean, I don't want to see him turn heel because Hangman Adam Page has grown so much and has done such an amazing job. He's He is not the same Hangman Adam Page we saw from All Out almost a year ago facing Chris Jericho for the AEW Championship. That is not the same, hang, the same Hangman Adam Page that we see today. So... The question is, where do you go from here? I mean, I think it's inevitable that the that the elite will split, or they'll go and do their own things because I think because that's how it kind of feels already. The elite doesn't feel whole, you know. I mean, Hangman and Kenny technically are in the elite still, and and so are the Bucks, and so is Cody. But Cody is kind of drifting and doing his own thing now, you know. Um, I think it's only a matter of time before they kind of do their own thing. The question is, who's going to be leaving out of this thing as the heel? It, will a new faction be formed out of this? Again, it's very much on my radar, Like, like that pulls me in to watch Dynamite every single week. Uh, it, that makes me want to watch it every single week. So... That story is, for me, it's my favorite story going on in pro wrestling at the moment. Uh, and then wrapping up with these few things here. So, uh, we've been seeing on Twitter how MJF has been saying, hashtag not my champion, we deserve better. Some people are just like, yeah, he could be talking about Cody. I'm like, that's too obvious. He's talking about John Moxley. Lo and behold, MJF's little promo segment was very presidential-like. And he was talking about Jonathan Moxley. So, MJF is challenging John Moxley for the AEW Championship. He wants John Moxley for the AEW Championship, and he wants to face him at All Out. Um, I had figured that if the pandemic hadn't happened, then MJF would have been the one to have faced John Moxley at Double or Nothing. But we got Brody Lee versus John Moxley. It was a good match. But now we're getting John Moxley versus MJ. Well, so we're led, led to believe, but we most likely will get John Moxley versus MJF. Um, I'm glad that we got to see MJF in a promo segment again, a lengthy promo segment, rather than him just being, you know, like he said on the sidelines. 
I'm glad we get to see him do something, something notable. Um, and I'm very much entertained by MJF and um, a potential match between him and John Moxley. Do I think MJF will win the match? No, absolutely not. I, I don't think they'll put the title on, on MJF right now. Um, I, my my prediction, I've always said, I, I think a heel Kenny Omega is going to be the one to take the title off of John Moxley eventually. Um, but I really enjoyed MJF's segment. I thought it was really, I thought it was funny. It's like, listen, I came out here to talk to you, Marks. Whoa, I'm sorry, people. I mean, people. That I I laugh for that one. And he's saying, like, listen, honey, I'm gonna need you to smile a little bit. The the the, the blonde girl that was there is like, oh, you look so much prettier when you do that. Um. And we've I've talked about it in this podcast with many different people that just how much of a piece of piece of a shit uh, piece of shit that MJF is, and I love it. Um, he along with Randy Orton is you know they were doing some of the best heel work uh, earlier this year and towards the end of uh, last year. So MJF uh, versus John Moxley makes sense to me, but. I think this is something that probably should have already been done. I feel like it probably should have already been in that, uh, you know, they probably should have done this story already. But I guess maybe they didn't want to do it during the pen. I, I don't know. I don't know. I felt like they didn't capitalize on it soon enough, right after MJF had beaten Cody. Because I think MJF has lost a lot of momentum since his since he beat Cody at Revolution earlier this year, and you look at where Cody is, and you look at where MJF is now, it took a little bit. It's like, you know, MJF was, again, just sitting on the sidelines, and then Cody is, you know, he is the, the TNT champion. He's the mid-card champion of the company when he suffered this, you know, this uh, this huge loss. Um, but again, you do need to make Cody, he is one of your top guys, so you do need to use him effectively. But, um... I mean that's the thing. I mean AEW is not going to be perfect. No, no wrestling company is going to be perfect. But they can damn try to make overall, you know, on a week to week basis that your show entertaining as best as you can. And I think they still do that, you know. So that being said, going into the main event, it was uh, Darby Allen versus uh, Darby Allen and John Moxley versus Ricky Starks and the FTW champion Brian Cage for all you ECW fans out there. The old, the old. Uh, ECW title, not ECW title, but the championship that Taz would carry with him to uh, in ECW. Um, a while ago, Taz did this a while ago, but it was reported that the FTW title was never trademarked or licensed under ECW, so that's why they're able to do it. Like Taz owns the licensing for that and has given Brian Cage the title for it, or has given Brian Cage that title. Uh, that's a cool little thing, a notch on uh, Brian Cage's belt. This match was really fun. It was a tornado tag uh, tag team match, no disqualifications. A uh, lot of fun. Uh, I mean, Darby Allen, the start of the match, you know, you thought that Darby was beaten up by Starks and Brian Cage, but really what happened is they came out to the ring. Darby Allen did a coffin drop when the smoke, uh, he was standing on top of the stage and in the smoke you couldn't see him, he jumps, does the coffin drop onto Cage and Ricky Starks. Uh, I love that <laughs> that Darby had thumbtacks in a skateboard and then jumped on Ricky Starks' back on the skateboard and oh my god, Ricky Starks' back was messed up. It was messed up. He was bleeding everywhere and how he was selling it too, like he, he, just, he just shaking his leg. Oh my god! Um, 
like just sh- showing, selling how much pain he was in. And I'm sure he wasn't a lot of pain. He was bleeding so bad, that poor dude. But, um, but yeah, uh, I really enjoyed that tag match. It was a lot of fun. Next week we're going to be getting John Moxley versus Darby Allen for the AEW Championship. I, 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 f- I feel that MJF is going to get involved somehow. And one thing I, I didn't mention before is how MJF kept calling uh, John Moxley Dictator John. Um, I guess we're just going to have to wait and see and see what happens, how this story plays out. Um, I guess that'll wrap it up here. I've been talking for a little over an hour now. Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode of the Not Another Wrestling Podcast. Once again, uh, you can find us on all of your, just about any podcast format there is, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Anchor.fm, Podbean. Go to the Anchor.fm website and you can find all of our podcast formats. Uh, you can follow us on TNAWP at Twitter, uh, the Not Another Wrestling Podcast and Facebook and Instagram. You can like to follow me on Twitter. It's CJ underscore 1214 on Instagram at, uh, at CJ underscore 1293. Um, thank you so much for listening, guys. If you haven't already, please, I please, uh, please listen to the <laughs> I said please so many times there. Uh, listen to the episode I had with the Man of Steel, Mike Verna. Uh, great conversation I had with him. Uh, great dude. Great, great independent, uh, just great wrestler overall. Uh, go check out some of his matches. Go to his pro wrestling tea store. Uh, you know, you can, fi- you can find him on Twitter, uh, Man of Steel MV, and Instagram, Man of Steel MV. Uh, forever a friend of the pod. Anyway, guys, thank you so much for listening. I've been CJ Palmasano, and we'll see you next time.